So we are in week three of our series on emotions. We started out first week with fear, then uh, Bill did a great job last week with, with anger. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to the podcast. And today we're going to move forward into another one. And I like to think of these two kind of together a little bit. You know, as you move through life and you face certain circumstances and things don't go the way you anticipate, a lot of times that emotion that comes with that is just the disappointment. And, you know, with disappointment comes, I think even maybe not so much an emotion, but maybe you could kind of categorize it that way of the feeling of that I'm a failure, that disappointment and failure kind of go hand in hand. You know, a story that I, um, I just love and I love reading about him is a man named Chuck Colson. If you don't know who, does, let me ask, does, who knows who Chuck Colson is? All right, man, yeah, not too many people know who Chuck Colson is. Very few people. So Chuck Colson... He was the special counsel to President Nixon, and he was known for President Nixon as his hatchet man. And Chuck Colson was one of the individuals uh, implicated and charged with Watergate. You guys know what Watergate is. Are you getting a little closer there? He was part of the Watergate 7. And eventually, Chuck Colson pled guilty to obstruction of justice. And he spent some time in prison for his role in the Watergate scandal. And eventually, you know, President Nixon would go on to resign and would become a disgrace. You know, a fun fact that I heard this past week that I had no idea that happened right here in Orlando with this whole scandal. You guys have uh, you've ever heard of uh, President Nixon's speech of the people of America need to know their president's not a crook. You ever heard that speech before? That actually happened in the Contemporary Hotel here at Disney. I had no idea. That was just a, a fun Orlando fact there for you. Anyways, so you have to think. Now, Chuck Colson went from being what people look at as a success, someone who's at the top of the world to be the special counsel to the president of the United States. There's not much larger goals you can have in life besides being the actual president himself. So he went from being the top of society, being at all the dinner shows and being invited to everything, to being involved at that time with the greatest scandal probably in the history of our country up until that point. He went from that point to being what people would view as a failure, sitting in prison. We'll come back to Chuck Colson here in a little bit. I'll tell you more about the rest of his life. But I think there's someone in scripture as well that we can look at that went from a life of just success and then experiencing disappointment and that feeling of failure that we're going to look at today in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Now you have to set the ground for this. The nation of Israel is in captivity and slavery in Egypt. They're there, they're as slaves. And we're going to see Moses here. If you guys know the story of the life of Moses, he was saved from the Nile River by the Egyptian princess. The Egyptian princess took her into his home and started raising him as her own son. But she needed a nurse or a nanny to help take care of Moses, and so she used his biological mother, to Hebrew mother, to raise him. Moses was a Jew. So this is where we pick up Moses has grown up. He understands his Jewish roots, but he's grown up in the palace of Pharaoh. He is a son of the king, no doubt maybe one that could take over as Pharaoh in Egypt. 
But verse 11 of chapter 2 says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, referring to the Hebrews, and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh-oh. Moses thought no one was around. Moses thought no one saw him kill the Egyptian, but that wasn't the case. Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Midian is in the middle of nowhere. He leaves the palace. He leaves the center of society. The Egyptian culture in society was the cream. It was the top of the ancient world during this time. And Moses was right there in the midst of all of it. He goes from that to the middle of nowhere in Midian. Moses was adopted into the wealthiest family in Egypt. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He went to the best schools. No doubt he probably had the equivalent of an MBA or a PhD in their society. He was looked at as a success. Imagine the disappointment as he sat by that well, it said in verse 15, in Midian, and he's reflecting on his life. Just think about the disappointment that Moses had. That feeling of, I'm a failure. Everything that God has done for me. Acts 7.22 tells us, And Moses was learned in all of the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and deeds. Meaning that he was a great orator. No doubt he was probably a soldier in the Egyptian army. Moses was climbing the, his ladder of success, but he made this very costly mistake. When he saw that one Hebrew man being beaten by the Egyptian taskmaster, he lost control of his emotions and killed the guard. He had it all. Power, prestige, wealth, education, a, a career with unbelievable potential. By anyone's standards, even today, Moses would be looked at as someone that was successful. But by the age of 40, Moses is sitting at a well in the middle of nowhere in a land called Midian, facing disappointment and the feeling of failure. God was sending Moses back to school. Moses was going to learn a new degree in the land of Midian, a master in character acquisition. You know, the Bible makes it clear that right around the age of 40, Moses knew that he was chosen to help lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. At the age of 40, Moses seemingly is a failure. 
He went from the palace to the pasture, wealth to poverty, privilege to persecuted, success to failure. He's out there as a farmer, working with the livestock out in the land of Midian. It all happened overnight because of one decision. He was wounded. He was rejected. He felt like there was, I'm sure, no recovery from his failure, but that is not the case. Let's remember the God who sees and controls the events of history was overseeing and in control of the life of Moses, and he oversees and controls your life as well. Do not forget that. Do not forget that God is in control of your life, just like he was in control of Moses. He knows exactly what he is doing. You may feel like God has lost control of your circumstances. That's not the case. That's not true. You may feel like a failure. Be completely disappointed with your life, but that is not true. It could be that God has just enlisted you into a new degree, receiving a master in character acquisition. Here are the three lessons that we can learn from this story today. We need to learn. Learn from your insecurity. Moses had always been a confident man who was successful in everything that he had done. He was a scholar, a statesman, a soldier. However, his taking a life, it changed everything. Now he is rattling in his boots, feeling so secure, insecure about his immediate safety. No doubt Pharaoh has agents all throughout the land looking to kill him. And he's not sure about his long-term future. God was shaking Moses to his absolute foundation. Making Moses look to him every moment of every day for his security. It's hard if you've ever been removed from everything in life and forced to start over. It's hard. It's hard to be unemployed and set on a shelf for a while. You feel like you're insecure, like a failure. You feel like life is passing you by. When you step into this class of insecurity, you don't know what the syllabus is. You don't know what the next turn in life will hold. God doesn't tell you up front how long it's going to be. It might be a week. It might be a month. It might be a year or years, and it can feel like an eternity. Insecurity can cause you also to start to grovel and self-pity. But we as people of God, we can lift our head to God and say, God, I so desperately need you. I know that you are in control of my circumstances, just like you're in control of all of the stories in the Bible. You are the same God and I will rest in you. Sometimes because of our actions of trusting in ourselves rather than trusting in God, he allows our insecurity so that we will come back to a complete dependence on him. He wants us dependent upon him for everything. He is shaking you to your very foundations to help you understand that what is really important is not your financial security, not your, your health, not your relationships, but your 
relationship and dependence upon him. That is the priority in your life. Independence from God will bring you to insecurity, but dependence on God will lead you to have confidence in him and confidence in life, knowing that he is in control. So we learn from our insecurity. Learn from your insignificance. When verse 15 said, when Pharaoh heard this matter, he sought to kill Moses. Moses is now running for his life. Moses had gone from being somebody to nobody. He never had to do the dishes, I'm sure, in the palace. He never had, even had to prepare his own food, and now the testing comes. Now he's having to learn how to live off the land. He's taking from the bustling metropolis of the Egyptian cities to Midian, the countryside. Verses 16 through 22 of Exodus chapter 2 record, basically, it's those six verses encapsulate the next 40 years of the life of Moses. Moses was now a servant. The, the one who was a mighty prince in the palace of Pharaoh, instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds, is now a keeper of the flock for his father-in-law. Imagine that. All of this knowledge, all of this wisdom, and the only person he has to share it with are the livestock out in the field. He is isolated on the backside of nowhere in a desert, serving as a shepherd for 40 years. It seemed as though God had forgotten about Moses, but we know he hadn't. We know that God hadn't forgotten. Those were 40 years of solitude, quietness, the feeling of being insignificant. Just imagine spending weeks and months alone with sheep. Maybe no human interaction. Imagine how insignificant you would feel. But God was at work. It matters little where a man may be at this moment. The point is whether he is growing. And out in the fields, God was growing Moses. God was teaching Moses how to rely upon him. God was rebuilding his man Moses from the inside out. Let me tell you this, you are never alone when you're alone with God. You're never alone when you're alone with God. Some of you have been on the backside of the desert and you felt like you were alone and that nobody has cared. In times like that, we feel so insignificant, yet we should be reminded that God has, during those times of loneliness and the feeling of insignificant, God has just enrolled us in the course of obtaining our master and character acquisition. Character building for us is when we realize how insignificant we are and we see how big and great and mighty our God is. That's the God that we serve. I love what John Piper said, the famous author. He said, if you don't see the greatness of God, then all of the things that money can buy become very exciting. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a street light. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. 
man. Let us know God. Let us know him. Moses had to learn this lesson so that he served a big God and that his plans and his abilities were so far beyond what he could experience in the culture of Egypt. That he was insignificant compared to the almighty God of the universe. After 40 years tending sheep in the middle of nowhere, God visited Moses on the backside of the desert. Last of all, we'll learn. We need to learn from your isolation. Learn from your isolation. Verse 15, when Pharaoh had heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He was raised by his Hebrew mother. If you, re- you can read between the lines as you read these verses, it's safe to surmise that Moses, during this time, he was not isolated from his Hebrew family. Although he was a part of royalty, he still was able to enjoy the contact of his mother and his Hebrew family. But the day came when he had to flee for his life and all of his family ties were severed. When you're isolated, loneliness sets in and it's rough. Research has stated that prolonged loneliness can affect us physically. In a period of 24 hours, Moses found himself isolated from every relationship that he had enjoyed in his entire life. Imagine that. Imagine all of the relationships that you have enjoyed your entire life. I'm almost the age of Moses, and I cannot even imagine being separated from all of you, from all of my family, and having no contact with them whatsoever. The loneliness that I would feel. There Moses was, in the desert, feeling more alone than he had ever had. God had to get him off by himself so he could have his undivided attention. God would not use Moses until he had learned to submit to God on God's timetable. Broken and alone is never pleasant. But God in his wisdom at times will separate us from our normal network of family and friends because isolation is an opportunity to get to know God. We talked about that this morning in our youth small group. Challenging the kids, when is there a time when there is no noise in your life that you can talk to God, that you can be alone with God? Sometimes isolation, to get us to a point of isolation, it might take a failure of our health to be isolated in a hospital room for a while where you're there in a room alone with nothing but you and God. It might take the failure of losing a job and we're isolated from the working world for a period of time to allow us to search and yearn for God. Say, God, I need you. In his failure, Moses learned some important lessons while isolated in the back of nowhere. If you feel like you're going through a failure in your life and you're disappointed, get alone with God and he will teach you. He will let you know that you are not alone. It is God's bringing you to the point of insecurity, insignificance, and isolation. But that's when he begins his greatest work in your life. God has a plan for all of us. All of us. 
and he doesn't do it on our timetable. Sometimes it takes years for him to get there. You know, we're in such a fast-paced society. We want everything now, 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 don't we? If our phone's not moving fast enough, oh, I can't get a new phone. It's not. It's taking two or three seconds to get to this next screen. That's the way we are. It's, it's, we're so crazy. I love the story of Harlan Sanders. Harlan Sanders lived a life of failure with a dozen failed careers. When he turned 65, he cashed his first ever Social Security check and opened a franchise, or opened the first of what will become a franchise of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> at 65, the man who started Kentucky Fried Chicken, it was at 65 that he opened the first KFC. In Moses' life, it took 40 years for God to build character into his life. You may see your failure as a real trial in life. Know this, every trial has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we as people who hate to go through trials, what is our prayer so many times? God, stop this trial. Get it over. I want it done. Instead, we should be praying, God, accomplish in me what you want to accomplish through this trial. You put me here for a purpose and a reason. Do your work. Do your work in my life. God knows exactly where you are. He's moving you along at his pace. You have plenty of time because you belong to Jesus and he has your life in his hands. Numbers 12, 3 says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Moses earned his degree on the backside of the desert. Failure is God's foundation for success. God is big enough and grand enough to take even our defeats and turn them in to our ultimate advantage for his glory. Listen to after Moses is 80 years old. 40 years after he spent in the back of the desert, we see him at the burning bush. He had taken off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground in the presence of God. He witnessed the deliverance of God's people from Egypt and he was involved in some of the most miraculous things that were ever recorded in, in the Bible, such as the parting of the Red Sea, producing water in a dry place for thirsty people, being a part of the plagues that came upon Egypt to release the people from, from, from Egypt, and then manna coming down from heaven to feed the hungry people. Moses saw and was a part of all of that. It was Moses who had a climactic experience with God himself on Mount Sinai. It was Moses who received the Ten Commandments, which is the basis of all law and order that we have in our society today. It was Moses who led the people of Israel into the promised land. There are probably some here today struggling with disappointment and failure. You have experienced some kind of setback in your life you know that you're in a desert right now, just like Moses. Know this. Everyone fails at some point in their life. But know that we have a Savior named Jesus Christ who never fails us. 
Isn't that amazing? That God never fails us. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are provided victory in this life, not failure. Man, if that's not something to shout about and get excited about, to know that because we have Jesus, we have been guaranteed victory in this life. Before going to prison for his part in the Watergate scandal, Chuck Colson had a friend who told him about Jesus, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. There are people who knew Chuck Colson that said, there is no way that Chuck is a follower of Jesus. I mean, Chuck, in his own memoir, made the statement that he would walk over his grandmother to get to the next political achievement. He was not a good person. In his best-selling memoir, Born Again, Chuck wrote, I found myself increasingly drawn to the idea that God had put me in prison for a purpose and that I should do something for those that I had left behind. Colson emerged from prison with a new mission. While he was isolated in prison, feeling insignificant in prison, no doubt all of these emotions that we just walked through that Moses felt, this time away with God, Chuck Colson said, I want to mobilize the Christian church to minister to prisoners. So in 1976, he founded Prison Fellowship, which is now the nation and the world's largest Christian nonprofit ministry serving prisoners, former prisoners and their families, and, and a leading advocate for criminal justice reform. Chuck Colson wrote, the real legacy of my life was my biggest failure, that I was an ex-convict. My greatest humiliation, being sent to prison, was the beginning of God's greatest use of my life. He chose the one experience in which I could not get glory for his glory. Man. When you think about all of the thousands, tens of thousands of prisoners that have come to know Jesus Christ because of his ministry. Prison Fellowship is in prisons in over 100 countries around this globe. God took a man, humbled him, put him in a deep, dark place, just like Moses, to do a great work in his life. God may have you this morning somewhere where you're disappointed, where you had no idea that your life would ever be this way, and you're feeling like a failure. You feel like you're sitting out by the well in Midian, wondering what's going to become of your life. Know that God's got you enrolled in a course. He's going to do his work in your life. Know that he hasn't forgotten about you, and he wants to use you. Know that we have a Savior named Jesus Christ that will give us the victory. Let's pray.